0: And please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Today we're looking at the last of the seven, seven letters of Jesus written to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And we've seen how each of these letters is written to all churches for all time. We need to have those listening ears to hear what Jesus is saying to us in each of these letters. And that's going to be particularly important today, to have those listening ears as we listen to a very hard letter, to a difficult letter from our Lord Jesus. So please have your Bibles in front of you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to read Jesus' letter, and then I'm going to pray, and then we will study it together. Please put on your listening ears now. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth. Do not need a thing, but you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord Jesus, in your love for us, you speak these hard words to us. And I pray that we won't block our ears because of pride. I pray that you might open our ears by the power and the person of your Holy Spirit. That we listen and hang on every word that you speak to us. Change us today, Lord Jesus, from the inside out. Pray that every one of us will walk out those doors different we've sat in your presence, we've heard your voice and your mighty word has changed our hearts our thinking and our lives and we pray these things for the sake of your name Amen Laodicea the richest of the seven cities famous for its fine, soft, black wool which brought in a great deal of revenue. It was on the major trade routes of Asia Minor and so it became an important banking centre. It was renowned for its eye specialists, its eye treatments, its ointments that, that, that uh, helped people with eye diseases. In the nearby town of Karura, there were some hot springs which were famous for their healing qualities. And so the Laodiceans as a whole were well dressed, rich, clear sighted healthy people. Moreover, the Laodicean Church had been founded in the early 50s probably by the Apostle Paul himself on his missionary journey through Asia Minor. And not only had Paul almost certainly founded Laodicea, he had most definitely sent them a letter. And we read about the letter he sent to Laodicea in the book of Colossians. It's a letter that's now lost. And so Laodicea had been founded by the Apostle. It was in a rich city. They had every possible advantage. But a generation later, a generation later, Jesus feels compelled to speak these words to them. So it was a church that apparently started well, but now about 30 years later, they have to hear this from their Lord. And Jesus says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler, that word could be translated, the beginning of God's creation. And so we must listen and submit to Jesus' words because they are true and because he speaks with all the authority of our creator. And Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So let's think about this church in Laodicea. Apparently they were neither super strict about the truth, nor were they apostate. They were quite orthodox. They were neither deeply sacrificial in their giving to the poor, nor were they miserly. They were quite generous. They were neither red-hot evangelists, nor were they tortoises with their heads pulled in. They were quite outward-looking. They neither put their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel, nor did they crumble under opposition. They were quite courageous. They were neither self-forgetting, nor did they neglect others. They were quite loving. They were neither hardcore Christian, nor were they mere nominalists. They were quite fond of Jesus. And Jesus says this shocking thing. Would, you, would that you were either cold or hot. If you're not going to be fully Christian, it's better that you were not Christians at all. Now, if you're not shocked by that, you're not hearing what Jesus is saying. Would that you were either hot or cold, one or the other. Let me rephrase it in a way that I I hope will shock you into hearing the sense of Jesus' words. Jesus would say to us, I would rather you be a Muslim than half a Christian. I'd rather you be a Hindu than just half a Christian, a nominal Christian, a lukewarm Christian. I would that you are one or the other, he says. And so, because you are lukewarm, tepid, moderate, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Years ago, I heard a a Salvation Army officer talk about his time in a catering school, He was a chef before he became a a pastor. And he described an incident in the training kitchen where he was asked to serve up a plate of scrambled eggs. And he cooked his scrambled eggs, he put it on the plate and he gave it to the chef, his instructor. And the instructor took it and he felt that the plate was cool, it was a cool plate, and he threw it across the room. He literally just threw it across the room. Never serve food on a cool plate, he said. And so this man, who was uh, a trainee at the time, cooked another plate of scrambled eggs. And this time he took the plate and he put it directly on the gas burner (laughs) to make it red hot. And he put the scrambled eggs on and he took an oven mitt and he took the plate and handed it to the chef. And the chef took it and scorched his hands and dropped the plate but he wasn't expelled there was respect there was respect there that's what i want i want it to be red hot not cool not warm red hot and jesus says that's what you must be you can't be a warm follower of jesus you can't be tepid. How often do we hear this phrase? Oh, so-and-so, she's a full-on Christian. We talk like that, don't we? Or well, this man, he's, one, he's a full-on Christian. Jesus says there's no other kind. There's no other kind. You are a, a full-on Christian or you're not a Christian at all. He says that the warm, half-baked kind of Christian is disgusting to him, nauseates him, wants to vomit them out of his mouth, he says. For you say, I'm rich, verse 17. I've prospered. I need nothing. The Laodicean Christians were very happy with themselves. You can take a a bright gem, and and to me, it might look dazzling, brilliant, precious, but give it to a a real jeweler and they'll tell you, sorry, it's just rubbish, it's just glass. And, And so the Laodiceans looked at themselves and they saw brilliance, bright, shining Christians And Jesus said, you don't realize what you really are. The jeweler, the expert, looks at the the Laodicean church and he says, you are wretched. In the original language, it has the definite article. He's saying, you are the wretched one. The wretched one. Pitiable. People should pity you for your lukewarmness. You're poor, blind. You think you're so clear-sighted, you're blind. You think you're so beautifully dressed, you're naked, says our Lord Jesus. This letter tells us that, that, that God may look at us very differently to the way we might look at ourselves. And what a, what a terrible danger that is, to look at ourselves as a church, to look at ourselves as as a Christian, and to have a a high opinion of who we are and how we're going, not realising that the Lord might, might look at us very differently. And the Lord looked at the Laodicean church, and they disgusted him for their lukewarmness. Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, notice the repetition, fervency, the apparent fervency. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? So many people, says Jesus, will appear before him on the last day with a very high opinion of themselves the quality of their faith. But they haven't been doing the will of the Father. They haven't been doing what the Father has commanded them to do. And they will hear those terrible, terrible words. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So the question is, Cornerstone, is this us? Are we the wretched one? Are we to be pitied for our our lukewarmness? Are we spiritually poor, blind, naked? Well, if we think that this is us, and if you think that this is you, listen to what Jesus says. I counsel you, he says, I counsel you there's something you can do, by the way, before we get to what he says. There, there, there is hope. The Laodicean church was not yet beyond redemption. There was something they could do. And Jesus tells them there's something we must do. I counsel you to go and to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. In other words, Laodicean Christians, you are impure, mixed, complicated, torn between one thing and the other, and that's what makes you lukewarm and tepid. You've you've added a bit of Jesus to your life, a bit of Jesus mixed up with everything else in your life. He says, buy from me gold refined by fire. The pure article, the real thing. Make Jesus your great treasure. Find true riches in Jesus. The Laodiceans, their heart was torn between this, that, and the other. They thought that they were rich, wealthy, but they weren't. Buy pure gold, says Jesus. Make me your one great treasure and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. You have sinned. You feel dirty. You feel ashamed. And Jesus says, come to me and I will clothe you with a white garment. I will clothe you myself with a white garment, with my righteousness and my perfection, and you, your nakedness, will no longer be seen. And you say, I've gone beyond that. I've gone beyond that. I've, I've, I've gone too far. How could I be clothed with the righteousness of Christ? No. His blood makes the foulest clean, we sing, It's true. And his white robe of righteousness can cover the dirtiest person, the foulest sinner. The person with the foulest record can be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And he says, get salve for your eyes, ointment for your eyes, so that you may see, because the, the Laodicean Christians were half blind, stumbling around in the darkness, lukewarm, a bit of this, a bit of that. Call out to Christ. Remember those, those, those blind beggars on the roadside? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, they said. And how did the crowd, what did the crowd say? Be quiet. Don't disturb the master. And what did they do? They called out all the louder, the Gospels tell us. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he came and and he touched these blind men. And they could see. See the truth. Eyes opened. And this is what Jesus is saying to the the half-Christian, the warm-Christian, the tepid-Christian, the mixed-Christian. Come and get the real article. Come and get the pure gold, Christ himself. Come and get the white robe of his righteousness and the salve the touch of Christ that will open your eyes. Those whom I love, I reprove, he says, and discipline. Who are the people that we, we have the the really passionate arguments with? It's not the butcher, is it? It's not the barista? It's you. So often it's the person you really love, your husband, your wife. There's the really passionate arguments going on. Why is that? It's because you care. You care. You care about your relationship. You care about how the other person is doing. And so we might be listening to the words of Jesus and just turning our ears off. I don't like to hear this. I don't like to hear about being vomited out of the mouth of Christ. Didn't come here for this. And Jesus says, I'm only telling you this because I love you. It's the only reason it's because I love you. If I didn't love love you, I wouldn't say those things to you. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just let you go on. And he says, I'm telling you these hard things because I love you. I reprove those whom I love. I discipline those whom I love. And he's reproving me today. He's reproving you with his words. And he does it with actions too, doesn't he? And his love, he comes into our life. Things don't go the way we hope they're going to go. And things go wrong. And yes, the book of Job teaches us that we must not jump to conclusions, that when we get sick or disaster comes, we must not jump to the conclusion, ah, this must be the result of my sin. That's the mistake of Job's friends. But we must not also dismiss that idea altogether because Jesus reproves those whom he loves with words and with actions. Is he reproving you? In your life right now? Is he trying to get your attention? Is he trying to show you that you're walking down the wrong path? Don't block your ears to Jesus. And so he says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous. Be zealous, he says. The word zealous, the word jealous, they're in fact the same word. They're just slightly corrupted the the first letter. But the the, the word um, zeal, we, we, we see it in the Old Testament so often. Who is the most jealous person in the Old Testament? It's the Lord himself, isn't it? Jealous for the hearts of his people. He loves his people. It distresses him when his people wander away from him. He has zeal for his people, loves them, and the Lord wants us to be zealous for him. In Titus 2, verse 14, Paul says, Jesus gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people his own possession, who are zealous for good works. That's, that's the Christian, you see. The Christian looks at Christ and the, the Christian sees what Jesus has done for them. That he, he gave his, his body and his back and his hands and his brow to death for his people. Out of love for his people, he was zealous for his people. And the Christian responds with the same kind of love. How how can the person who knows that they have received the the zealous love of Christ, that Christ has sacrificed himself for them, how how can such a person go on in lukewarmness and half-heartedness? Jesus purified a people for himself who are zealous for good works, enthusiastic, committed for good works. And that's why I asked for 2 Samuel 6 to be read today because it's a a disturbing picture of zeal, isn't it? King David, who after decades of of uh, destiny for the throne of Israel, is finally enthroned, anointed as Israel's king. And what we read him doing in 2 Samuel chapter 6, he takes off his royal robes until he's dressed in the loincloth of a slave. And he dances before the ark of the Lord as it enters into Jerusalem. With all his might, it says, with all his might, and his his wife, Mikhail, looks and oh, she's so ashamed of him. She's so embarrassed. She's a princess. She's the daughter of a king. My husband. Oh, what's he doing? And he says, How how can I not dance before the Lord with all my might? Yes, I've made myself ridiculous and I'm going to go on making myself more ridiculous because I love the Lord and I will dance before him with all my might that's the zeal that God has for us and that's the zeal that that he wants us to have for him, how can we not when we know what Christ has done for us so be zealous Jesus says and repent repent if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, he says. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What are those habits you need to to cut off and gouge out? Who's that person you need to painfully cut off in repentance? What are those things? Those people, those things, those habits, those objects that are pulling you back, holding you down. Jesus says, Repent. Be zealous and repent. You can't live a, a, the life of a red hot Christian while you're holding on to sin. And, and, and sinful and people who cause you to sin and things that cause you to sin you can't do it repent and be zealous young men I don't know why I just feel the Lord has laid on my heart to speak this morning to our young men and our young women in particular young men Jesus doesn't want milk and water Christians you know, you know what I'm getting at there don't you A glass with a bit of milk and the rest of its water. Ugh. Insipid. Gross. He doesn't want Christian young men to be milk and water Christians. Half hearted spiritual weaklings nauseate him. He commands your zeal. David, King David, the mighty warrior, and the poet and the musician, and the shepherd. And if you're a sheep, you really wanted David as your shepherd because he loved the sheep and he was brave and he put his life on the line for his sheep. And he had the strength and skill to destroy the lion and the bear. That's your model. If you're going to be a Christian, don't be half a Christian, a milk and water Christian. Jesus says, Jesus says, not not the pastor, Jesus says, repent and be zealous. And young women. The Lord doesn't want worldly Christians. What an awful oxymoron that is. Worldly Christian. How can those two words possibly go together? He doesn't want living oxymorons who are content to give him half their heart and a bit of time on a Sunday, a minute here or there. He wants your all. He loves you, he died for you, gave his body for you on the cross. He wants your all, all your heart mind, soul, and strength. Life is, is far too short for our young Christian men and women to be piddling along as half-Christians. Jesus will not accept it. He doesn't want it. He wants us all. He wants you all. And we long, I long, we all long to see our young men and women sold out for christ with worn out bibles starting their own bible studies starting prayer meetings to pray for their friends to pray for their city and the lord knows that this city needs on fire vibrant shining christians to bring the love of christ shining in the city those whose greatest treasure is Jesus Christ. Yesterday, we, had, we attended a, a Reformation conference up in, up in Launceston. I had the privilege of speaking about Marie Durand, who, whose uh, works I'm studying, whose letters I'm studying at the moment. The second speaker spoke about the Scottish martyrs of the Reformation. And he spoke about a man called Patrick Hamilton. I was really struck by what he said. I th- I'm pretty sure he took it straight out of Fox's Book of Martyrs. But he talked about Patrick Hamilton, who at the age of 23 was burned at the stake in the city of St Andrews in Scotland. And he was burned at the stake for having written these words. Listen to this. Burned at the stake for having written these words. That Christ is the saviour. That Christ died for our sins. That Christ bought us with his blood. That Christ washed us with his blood. That Christ offered himself for us. That Christ bore his sins on our back. That Christ came into the world to save sinners. That Christ came into this world to take away our sins. That Christ was the price that was given for us and our sins that Christ has paid our debt and died for us, that Christ made satisfaction for us and our sins, that Christ is our righteousness, Christ is our sanctification, Christ is our redemption, Christ is our peace, Christ has pacified the Father of heaven for us, Christ is ours and all his, Christ has delivered us from the law, from the devil and from hell, the Father of heaven has forgiven our sins for Christ's sake. That's a Christian. <laughs> and he was burnt for writing those words. That's a Christian. And Jesus says to any layer of sins, I would that you, you were either hot or cold. There's no in-between. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. There really isn't. Better off not being a Christian at all. And when we consider what he's done for us. And so, we come and we, we take hold of the pure gold of Christ. The white garment of Christ. And the healing ointment of Christ for our eyes. And that is what will save us. That is is what will transform us from this dreadful lukewarmness that our Lord Jesus describes. At this point, I'm going to now come to the communion table and I'll ask the elders to join me. And we've not yet finished listening to our Lord Jesus. He's got more to say to us. So let's hear what he says to us as we come to the communion table. something very interesting about the letter to the Laodiceans is that so far everything we've heard has been spoken to the church as a, as a collective, the church as a whole. And there's a, a shift in verse 20 where Jesus now be sp- begins to speak to individuals, individual men and women, young and old. And this is what he says to us individually. And if you have heard the words of Christ this morning and you've felt condemned by them, and I have, then listen to what he says now. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, and he's speaking individually, anyone hears my voice, and opens the door. I will come into him. I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. I will come into her, and eat with her, and she with me. You see, Jesus said that he was nauseated by the Laodiceans by their half-hardness, but he hadn't given up on them—not by any means, not at all, not at all. And so he turns now from addressing the church to individuals and he says, I'm knocking right now. I'm knocking on the door of your heart, as it were. And he's not just knocking, what else is he doing? He's calling. He's calling you, knocking and calling and he says, open the door, open the door. And we open the door by by, by turning from our sin and repentance. And we open the door by taking the pure gold of Christ and his white garment of righteousness and that healing ointment that only he can give. And so Jesus is knocking on the door and he says, Come and take me. Take hold of me. You haven't. Well, you're not or you are not You've only, you're only half a Christian, he's been saying. Come and take me, the pure gold. And, and, and here we have the symbol of the body of Christ, this bread, which I'm going to break in a moment to symbolise Jesus giving his body to be broken, to be torn for us upon the cross. And we have here this, this wine, a symbol of the blood of Christ poured out from his body on the cross to wash away our sins. And so Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock and I'm calling out to you and here's a way in which we can respond to that. We can come, turn from our sins and come and take hold of Christ crucified. Take hold of him, his torn body, his blood poured out for our sins. The last days to pray for us. Thank you.
1: Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you in your love and your great mercy present to us. You stand at the door of our hearts and you knock. And you say, Come. Lord, we come this day and we repent of the things that we have done wrong. Lord, we are sorry. Lord, come in and clothe us with your righteousness. Open us, open our eyes that we might see and behold your glory, your magnificence. Lord, Us and enable us to follow you faithfully, mm. to be on fire for you, to be hot and not cold. We pray in Jesus'
0: name, amen. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Those who are repentant of their sins, sorry for their sins, and those who want the pure gold of Christ and his white robe of righteousness and that salve that opens blind eyes, come. Come and take hold of the body and the blood of Christ and return to your seat and then we will eat and drink together. Thank you.